Are we at war? Are we at war? Some politicians say no, some politicians say yes, but you ask the men and women in uniform every day, are we at war? The answer is absolutely yes. Are we at war? If you ask somebody lost and undone without God, they might not even realize it, but you ask a child of God born again, are we at war? Yes, we are. The thing we have to understand is when we get up every day, there's no vacation from the spiritual battle. We never get too old or we're never too young for that spiritual warfare to be engaged in our life. So today, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about spiritual warfare. I want to talk to you about the things that we need to be aware of as the children of God. And we're also going to talk about the tactics or the strategies of this warfare. So would you just pray with us and for us right now? God, in your name, I realize even this moment we're engaging in spiritual warfare. There's territory in families the enemy does not want to yield. But today we rebuke him in Jesus' name. There is territory in people's minds that he does not want to relinquish. But today in Jesus' name, we come against him. There are territories in people's health today that Satan wants to hang on to and destroy. But God, we speak against it through the blood of Jesus today. Help us today to understand our place, our time in spiritual warfare. In Jesus' name, I pray that your word have free course. I pray it now in Jesus' name. Could everybody say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise because we're going to win. We're going to win. Amen. You may be seated and God bless you. I want to go to the scripture for Samuel chapter 13 and verse 16 and read to you a quite unusual story. Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah in Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Let's go to the next verse. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One, one, toward, one turned toward Ophrah in the vicinity of Shuah, and look where the others went. Another toward Beth Horon, and the third toward the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim, facing the wilderness. Now, I want you to get this. It's very detailed in its strategy of this enemy. They had detachments and, and companies in three different areas to keep the children of Israel from overcoming them and rising up against them. Let's look at the next verse. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, blacksmith? Why is that in the Bible? Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines said, otherwise the Hebrews would make swords or spears. Look at the next verse. So all Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. You see, the Philistines had a strategy. Everybody say strategy. They had a strategy. If we can keep them from having the ability to make weapons, they will never be able to throw us out. They will never, ever be able to stand against us in warfare. So they had a law, no blacksmiths. And the only way they could get their tools sharpened for harvest was to bring them to the Philistines and get them taken care of. The enemy wants us to think the only way we can get anything in life is by going his way. 
but God's way is always better. Amen. Look on with me. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening a plow point and maddoxes and third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and repointing goads. Look at the next verse. So on the day of the battle, not a soldier was Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. You got a whole army that are getting ready to go fight a battle. And you look around, there are only two. Now I'm going to make a point today, you get it? I'm going to try to make a point today. That should make a pretty good point. This is one of those two-edged swords. This is one of those that came from a sword-making place in Spain. Stanton and Andrew were over there on a senior trip and winning souls to the Lord. We we baptized about two or three girls out of that trip. (laughs) And he, he wanted this sword, and he actually called and asked, could he get it? 80 bucks. So here it is. It's not a toy. It's the real deal. And it's still in my house. <laughs> he will get it someday. He's trying to keep it away from Meredith. I know what it is. Because <laughs> she might want to make a point. No weapon. They had no weapons. The Philistines were controlling the Israelites by not allowing blacksmiths to, event, to, to exist. And it would prevent them from having or making any weapons to fight against them. Now, let's take a look on down into verse 6 here. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. That means they weren't Jews. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. I like what he said. Nothing can hinder the Lord. If I say something you agree with, you can say amen. Amen. Now, from saving whether by many or by few. Man, so Jonathan says, hey, look, there's some Philistines up on top of that hill. Let's just see what God might do today. He might use us, just a couple of us, to deliver Israel today. Let's just go see what's going to happen. So here's the strategy. Let's go on. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Now, you know what? We all need an armor bearer. We all need somebody that's got our back, right? And we need somebody that says, it doesn't matter what God lays on your heart. I'm with you. Let's go take this hill or let's not. Whatever you decide, I'm with you. Amen. Now, look on with me. Jonathan said, come on then. We'll cross over toward them and, let's, and let them see us. So we're going to step out and say, na 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 boo boo you know, bring it on. Look what he said. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But just in case, look what happens. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign. The Lord has given them into our hands. That's a lot of faith. Look on with me. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, the Philistine said, look, there's a couple idiots down there. Those two Jewish guys, two Jew boys with, and, and they're coming up here, they're crawling out of the holes from where they were hiding. And man, they were mocking them and making fun. Look at the next verse. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and the armor, armor bearer, hey, come on up here, dude. I've got something for you. 
come on up here, man. I'm going to teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. So here they go. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Let's skip on down now. Jonathan climbed up using his hand and feet with his armor bearer right behind him, and the Philistines, Philistines fell before Jonathan, look at this, and his armor bearer that followed and killed behind him. They fell before them. Now, you know, the thing about it is, why is this story even in the Bible? I mean, it's not very significant. It's not a, not a major thing, but it's here. The question, why did God put this here and just, you know, it's a battle involving 22 people when there were thousands and thousands that were in other places that day. Someone said that the history of warfare is as old as the history of man. Do you know there's never been a time of man's existence that there hasn't been a war or a rumor of war? I can't remember in my lifetime to what we didn't have soldiers somewhere fighting some enemy somewhere trying to protect our nation and our freedom. Who can really even say how many have been killed? Who can really even say how many have died? The numbers would be astronomical when you add them up. In all the wars since the human race has started, how many people have been died? How many women have lost their husbands? How many women have lost their sons? When our forefathers came to the American shores many years ago, they fought with the Native American Indian. And they had to take the land that, that we have now. But even before our forefathers got here, there were wars among the Indians. They were fighting over hunting ground rights. They were, hunt, they were fighting over rivers. They were fighting over pride. They were fighting, trying to take the wives of other tribes. There's always been a war among mankind. If you've lived on the planet Earth, you know about wars. You know about fighting. And you know about fussing. You know about that. Somebody said this. The moment you become a Christian, you become aware of spiritual warfare. You see, when you're out running around in sin and not thinking about trying to do right, you didn't even know there was a battle going on. But the moment that you decided that you're going to live for God... You're going to come out of sin. You're going to stop your drugs. You're going to stop the booze. You're going to stop running after every lust. There's a warfare that breaks out in you. You decided to let God change your life, and all of a sudden, you feel pressure coming down on you that you didn't feel before. Can I get a witness? You feel this warfare drawing your attention and trying to seduce you back to your old life, to your old habits. At times you feel so depressed and overwhelmed that you want to just give up and give in. And you feel it trying to condemn you and say, you're never going to be good enough. You'll never be clean. You'll never be right. You hear all these voices attacking your mind. All these voices drawing on your energy. All these voices trying to focus on your defeat. It attacks your mind, not only your mind, but the mind of your family. A few weeks ago, uh, Brother Bobby White gave his testimony in our men's class on Wednesday night. Uh, Brother Jimmy was in that class. They both got baptized the same day. Man, that's awesome. Aren't you glad God changes people? Hey, man, that was awesome. And... Sister Amanda happened to be the first person we ever baptized during a railroad festival. 
downtown behind Con's Barbershop, buried her right there in the name of Jesus. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, I love it. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for people's lives being changed. But they both said this, man, I didn't have much of a struggle when I wasn't trying to live for God. But boy, when I drew a line in the sand and said, I'm going to live for God, everything seemed to start attacking me. How many of you know the story? Your own story, right? So Paul warns us very strongly in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about a spiritual warfare. And he says this, he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not people, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are not my enemy. That's right. You husbands, let your wives say that. You are not my enemy. But our enemy is this. Principalities. It's powers. Invisible forces that inhabit the atmosphere around us. We're not even aware of them as long as Satan's in control. But when he starts losing control, they start attacking us. Satan and his demons are invisible to us. But as believers, we know we have to, and we feel like we have to fight for our very spiritual lives. How many of you, since you've become a Christian, you realize you're in a fight? Yes. This is a fight you can't get out of. This is a fight you don't get waivers from. This is a fight you're not in a deferment from. If you believe that the devil is going to win and you start feeling sorry for yourself, you begin to say, I'm so tired, I can't take this anymore. You see, it doesn't look like I'm going the way it ought to be and I don't feel like fighting war anymore. You're about to lose. But if you can understand, you have a God leading this fight that has never lost a battle and he's not about to lose the one you're in either. Amen. That's why the Bible says, when it talks about this spiritual warfare, it says, be strong in the Lord. Not strong in your intellect, not strong in your talent, not strong in your manipulation skills, but be strong in the Lord and the what? The power of whose might? His might. So I want to start maybe a short series this morning. It may be a couple of weeks, but I want to call it spiritual warfare. And this particular part is going to be understanding spiritual warfare. In our text from 1 Samuel, we see a, a couple of very powerful principles about warfare that we can learn and apply about our invisible warfare today. Now, I'm not talking about, you remember the, the concept, the devil made me do it? Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Uh, yeah, okay, that's us. But I'm afraid too many times we really don't understand the devil will try to make you do it. He will try to put everything in our way to woo us away from the presence and peace and power of God so that we will start doing things that will drive us away from God. They, as a Philistine army, had a policy. No blacksmiths, no weapons can be built, no weapons can be made. And so their strategy was to take away the weapons. No matter how smart you are, folks, no matter how strong you are, if you don't have weapons, you can't win the warfare. I mean, to tell you, look, if somebody, if somebody comes at you with a weapon, you need a weapon, right? So here we are. Weapons means warfare. 
So they took the ability for them to have swords or spears away because with no weapons, they couldn't defend themselves. and With no weapons, they couldn't defeat the enemy. So that's just how Satan works today in our lives. He's the same strategy. No matter where you're from, Mississippi or California or New York City or maybe like that lady I met this week, she was from Hawaii. She had moved to Mississippi. And I talked to somebody about this. I said, I want to talk to her. She moved from Hawaii to Mississippi? Well, sure, this is the best kept secret in the world, right? Yeah, I love Mississippi. Amen. Satan's first move against every one of us is to take away our weapons. His first move against us because he hates us. You know why he hates you? Because you bear the name of Jesus Christ. You know why Satan hates you? Because Jesus Christ has his foot on his head just waiting to crush it. And he knows the, the body of Christ is going to defeat him. So Satan hates us, right? Amen. Now we all have the same enemy. So that makes us all on the same team. Satan hates us because we bear the name of Jesus. His first strategy is to take away our weapons. I might have your attention more if I just spun around a couple of times. I said, don't let that go. I want you to think about this for a minute. His first strategy is to what? Take away the weapons. Well, if we look in the word of the Lord in the same book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, it says this. That taking the sword of the Spirit, which is, take, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of Spirit, which is what? Folks, this is not our weapon right here. This is our weapon. Church, that's not our weapon. This is our weapon. It's the Word of God. And I, and I want to tell you something. It works. It works. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he didn't say, now, you don't, you, you got to recognize I, I'm the son of God, so don't mess with me. No, he simply said, it is written. He didn't try to use a position. He didn't try to use his status. He simply stated the fact, it is written. It is written. If we can understand it's written and we're going to win, we will win. Amen. We will so if Satan wants to get to you and me, what weapon do you think he's going to try to take? Word of God. He's going to try to take it away. He's going to try to make it aware. It's not around us. It's not available to us. Because if he can get the word of God, he's taking the only offensive weapon given in the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God, everything else is to protect you. But the sword of the spirit is to attack him. And I want to tell you what, I think it's time to quit worrying about being defensive. I think it's time to get on the attack and take the gates of hell. Amen. Let's do it. The only weapon we have, though, is this word of God. So if Satan wants to get to you, if he wants to get to me, if he wants to get to that new Christian, what's he going to do? He's going to try to separate us from the word of God. He's going to try to get us to operate in the opinion and the mindset and the philosophy of our generation. But the word of God is what will defeat Satan. It is forever there. This is God's sword right here. And it didn't just say, it didn't say the sword of Stan Blaylock. It said the sword of the spirit. This is the weapon God uses in our lives to defeat the enemy. Amen. It's his battle. 
and we're using his sword. I want you to think about this with me. So his strategy is to find out how to separate you from God's word. Now, how in the world could he do that? Anybody ever heard the word, I'm just too busy? You ever heard that? Anybody ever said it? Man, I'm just too busy. We get so busy running around here to do that, running over there to do this, getting this done, trying to get that finished. We don't have time for God's word. Satan will try to use the busyness of this generation to get us separated from the weapon that will help defeat him. He'll make us too busy. How about distracted? Man, you are getting ready to read the word. You're getting all going. How about too discouraged? How about, you know, too successful? Man, my job's going good. It's going great. I I need to go put in a little extra time. I need to work a little over, go in early or stay late. And all of a sudden, you find yourself not having time for the word of God. He'll try to get you too distracted. Amen. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is nothing else. And when we do not have this weapon in our life, we are vulnerable to Satan. His attacks, his lies come stronger and more relentlessly. Have you ever noticed the diabolical schemes of the devil when you try to get into the Bible? Okay, here we are. Just think about this. Have you ever just been totally focused to pick up your Bible? Man, I'm going to read the Word today. And all of a sudden, when you start reading, you say, man, i got to get some string from my weed eater. (laughs) Is this real? Or you say, oh, my goodness, i got to get bread for the kids' lunches tomorrow. Does it happen? And we, we, we can really kind of write it off as it's just, just our thoughts. Folks, I'm going to tell you, the devil's goal is to distract you from the word. If it's, and, and then what about the time, boy, you're getting this good stuff, and all of a sudden the phone rings, right? I mean, you haven't had a phone call all day, but you decided, I'm going to get in the word. Ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling. You say, what ding-a-ling-a-ling is calling me? These schemes are on purpose. When you start to get into reading the words, you might feel, man, I feel antsy, I feel agitated, I I feel irritable for no reason at all, and you you just can't concentrate. Why? Because the enemy is trying to channel your attention and your energy away from the Word of God. Because the Word of God is your source of strength, it is your weapon. In this battle. Have you ever had those battles? Have you? How many of you have? Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about here today? It's a real battle. Satan trying to separate you from your weapon, the sword of the spirit. Now, I I want to ask you a question. Did the praise team and worshipers do a great job singing today? Wasn't that that was that was incredible? Man, that was incredible. Do you know that gospel music has its place, but it doesn't take the place of God's word? Prayer and praise has a place, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by praise, hearing by prayer. No, hearing by the word of God. Man, I can hear a praise song, and if I don't know the word of God that's backing it up, I don't even know why I feel good. 
Or I can know I need to pray, but if I don't know the word of God, I won't know the power of prayer. But because I have the word of God, all these other things fall into my life and they enhance it. But nothing takes the place of the word of God. Amen. It is a sword of the spirit. So gospel music is great and I listen to it and I like to get my praise on too. I loved it this morning. Brother Andrew in this praise team just did an awesome job. They work hard, they practice hard, they plan a lot, and they pray hard to present an anointed time of praise and worship. But that praise and worship will never take the place of God's word, never. We have to get this word in our hearts. I've wondered at times when I hear maybe of some great name and ministry failing. And every time you track it back, it's because they've gotten away from the word of God. They've gotten away from their love of the word of God. And now they're in it for response or in it for, for, for likability. But folks, it's always got to be the word of God, the whole world, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's always got to be the word of God. Amen. Not ideas, not men's philosophies, but the word of God. So now, we've got to counterattack Satan. Now, let me just share something with you, okay? You have to have a strategy. Do you know that? Okay. Uncle Charlie, what time is it? 10 till 12. All right. You had that 10 to 12 look on your face, so I, all right, here we go. When we, when I was in high school, I got to play a little football. I was a big, bad Sergeant Blue Devil. Boy, isn't that big and bad. I mean, we were something else. Yeah, we really were something else. But we had a guy playing for us, as some of y'all know, his name was Ken Umbers. How many of y'all remember Brother Ken? Okay. Ken, he was, he, he was about 220, about my height, and he was pretty fast. He could, he, I never saw, I never saw one person ever tackle him. It took the whole team. Even in practice, it took the whole team. So whenever we were playing, we, we, he was our fullback, and we had two little halfbacks that were slow and small. It didn't really matter that they were there because we had Ken. So after a couple of wins, the other teams figured it out. If we can stop that big boy up on the line, we can beat them. So they started putting everybody up on the line. And boy, sure enough, it got to where about 10 of them could get him down. Well, our coach began to see what our opponents were doing, and he came up with a strategy. He invented what we call the fullback pass. And what that is, Brother Ken was a fullback, and whenever the quarterback would take the ball, he'd turn around and hand it to him, and he would take it about two steps toward the line, and then he would step back. And what these other teams didn't know, that Brother Ken was an all-state baseball pitcher that could throw a 90-mile-an-hour fastball for a strike. So when he take that ball toward the line, Brother Hill, they'd all come up to hit him, and he stepped back. Man, there's old Mike Knight over there. There's Kevin Egger over there. Just throw it right to him. Did you know that one week he got named quarterback of the week playing fullback? <laughs> he really did. But you see, no matter how strong he was, if we had not seen what the enemy was doing and countered it, we wouldn't have won. But because we saw what the enemy was doing, we countered it. And folks, we need to understand what the enemy's doing. He's trying to separate us from the word of God. Let's counter it. 
Now, what's a good way to do that? My goodness alive. Pitch me that little black thing right there by your leg. There you go. Thank you for not pitching it. <laughs> How many of you have one of these? If you do, let, hold, hold your hand up or your phone. That's okay. Look at that. That's, that's 90% or more. How many of you have the Bible on this? You've got a Bible app. Man, that's great. How about if the enemy, if he's really going to fight you when you grab the physical Bible down and try to turn the pages, how about you combat him by getting your digital Bible? What about you setting a time? Hey, look, in the morning when I get up, I, how many of you have a daily verse on yours? If you don't get one, how many of you have a devotional on yours? If you don't get one, and then when you get there, you can say, I want to choose to read the whole chapter or just read the devotional. My goodness alive. Now, I hate to tell you this, but sometimes I get behind. As a matter of fact, I got behind on one, and I did three days in one day this, this past week. Shame on me. But there comes a time we have to understand, I have to have the Word of God in my life every day. If I don't, I will wane. If I don't, I will fail. If I don't, I cannot stand for God. Amen. Now, thank God for gospel music. Thank God for gospel preaching tapes. But folks, nothing takes the place of you reading the word, processing it, letting it go in your heart and come out in your life. Nothing. The word of God. How about a little New Testament fit right there in that pocket? How about a time that you say, hey, as a family, we're going to read the word of God. Now, the first time you do that, the enemy's going to make sure every phone in the house rings. He's going to make sure that every kid in the house is crying. He's, Am I right or not? I promise you, it's going to be worth it. Do it. It's going to be worth it. Do it. Declare war and take the sword of the Spirit in your hand and win. Amen. Let me move along. I'm going to wrap this up. How many of you have a, a reading plan this year? You're, you're trying, how many of you are trying to read the Bible through this year? That's awesome. That's awesome. And you track it. We have to have the Word of God in our lives. Jesus didn't look at the devil and say, do you know who you're talking to? No, he said, it is written. And can I tell you that most Christians mess up because they get separated from the word of God. Most Christians get stumbled, they, they have a problem because they get separated from the word of God. It's Satan's strategy. We can't live on what God did 10 years ago. We need to have a daily walk with God. We need to have a daily encounter with the Word of God. And I love the Word of God, don't you? Let me tell you why I love it. I love it because it's His Word to me. It's His Word to you. And I love the words of the one that loved me. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then we're going to close. Several years ago, uh, I'd been privileged to date Andrea Hill a couple of times. And boy, I mean, my, my feet were swept out from under me. My head was swimming around and my heart was just pumping and beating. And then I got word that she had gone to California with Sister Wendell. She was going on a mission trip to help Sister Wendell. And oh my goodness, I thought, well, that's just her way of saying, ah, we probably need to put this on hold. And so, man, we didn't have cell phones then. All we had was a party line, you know. How many of y'all do know what a party line is? I mean, <laughs> Aunt Maddie would pick up the phone. Hey, Aunt Maddie. Hey, is that you, Stanley? I didn't know you was on the phone. Sorry. In about a minute, you're back. <laughs> I mean, you do know what I'm talking about. Okay. 
And so, no calls. But one day I got a letter in the mail. And it had her name on the envelope. It was sent from her. It was postmarked in El Paso, Texas. My heart was in El Paso, Texas. I could not wait to read that letter. And it had a nice thing. Hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is where I am. And then it was signed in Hebrew. Man, I, what? Hebrew. So I got my Strong's lexicon down. I mean, I got it. I mean, an exhaustive Strong's lexicon. And I tried to match the letters. Folks, I was going nuts. <laughs> you know what? This letter was from somebody I loved. Man, I began to check it out. And finally, after an exasperation got a hold of me, I, 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 I have to confess, I went to Pat. I said, Pat, what in the world is going on? She said, I'm not supposed to tell you, but that means love. I love you, Andrea. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah. Ooh, boy. El Paso, you're not going to have her forever. I... Man, I read that letter several times. You know why? It was written by somebody I love. I love this book because somebody I love and somebody that loved me wrote this book. Amen. So what do we do? You see, this sword is so sharp and so powerful. It cuts every thought and imagination in two. It dissects it. It discerns. Ooh, hallelujah. There's a strong message here for us today. This sword is the only one that cuts through the message of this generation. And you discern. You discern what is true. You discern what is right. My God. Ooh, would you just lift your hands and worship the Lord? God. Thank you that your word is a discerning power that the lies of hell cannot get us if we know your word, oh God. In the name of Jesus, I pray against every deceitful voice speaking in the lives of this beautiful people. And God, I pray today that the word will come forth and declare victory for them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, but Brother Blaylock, this is what the newspaper is saying. Who cares what the newspaper is saying? It is written. Oh, this is what everybody's doing or thinking. Who cares what everybody's doing or thinking? It is written. Folks, let's declare it. Let's settle it. And let's stand on it. Let's live in it. Amen. 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 So this principle is understanding the enemy's strategy. He will try to separate you from your weapon. Don't forget this great weapon. His word. You are well armed against Satan's attacks. Don't forget this great, awesome weapon. The world says you're no good. The world says you've blown it too many times. But his word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The world says... 
this depression is going to be a way of life forever. This pit you're in is going to be where you are forever. But the word says, though there may be sorrow in the night, joy is coming in the morning. That's for somebody today. Hey, you're not going to be crying all the time. Joy is coming in the morning. Amen. Maybe the doctor's report says there's nothing we can do. But the word says, by his stripes, we are healed. Let's praise God for what the word says today.